Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. This is a pretty well-known story. Uh, I think most of you have probably heard it before. Uh, You know, Jesus calms the storm. And usually when we look at this, the main way we look at it, and and part of the reason it's in the gospel, part of the reason it actually happened, is to show us and show the reader of the gospel uh, who Jesus really is. Uh, In the traditional services, uh, there's always three readings. There's an Old Testament reading and, and an epistle reading and the gospel. And so today, this gospel lesson was paired with the Old Testament story of Jonah, where Jonah uh, is fleeing from God and God causes uh, a great storm to come upon the ship that he's on. And the tie-in is that just as uh, in Jonah's time, God, the creator of both the sea and the dry land, could control those storms and cause them to come and go at his will, that we see Jesus able to do the same thing. And so what does that tell us about him? It tells us that he is indeed the divine son of God, right? But I think there's something else we can see in this scripture as well, and that has to do with the disciples and their reaction. Uh, Because I think it has a lot to say with how we deal kind of with problems and storms in our own life and how we go to God with those things too. So a couple things let's point out. So I just read it to you. I'm not going to reread it. But there's three things I want you to notice uh, about this situation, first of all, before we start to get into it. The first is this. Don't think that because Jesus is in the boat with them that they're not in real danger, okay? They are in real danger. It says their boat was about to be swamped. I don't know if you guys spend a lot of time on boats, but that means it's filled up with so much water that it's about level with the water outside and the boat is about to sink. So they were actually in real danger of their boat sinking and them drowning, right? Uh, Then the other thing I want you to notice this is that, and and this is a bit of an assumption, I'll admit, we have to be careful making assumptions about Scripture when we read between the lines, but I think it's a safe assumption to make, which is that they waited until the very last minute to ask Jesus for help. They waited until the boat was being swamped. Now, I know storms can come up quickly. I I used to sail on Lake Monroe. Like, storms can come up quickly. Uh, They can happen very fast, but they don't happen instantaneously. I mean, you do have a few minutes. And even once the storm gets there, you have a few minutes before the boat actually starts to be swamped, starts to sink. So they had at least a little time. And yet they wait until the very last minute before they turn to Jesus for help. And then the other thing I want you to notice, the third thing, is I want you to remember that all through this, though, Jesus was there. Jesus is in the boat the whole time. There's not a time when he is not there, right? Jesus is in the boat the whole time, and that colors how we look at the disciples and their actions and their reactions. And so as we continue in the story, we see that no matter what uh, might be going on kind of behind the scenes or that we're filling in gaps between the lines, somehow, whatever this test is, the disciples have failed it. Because when they finally do awaken Jesus, 
Jesus says this to them. Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Now that's definitely kind of a rebuke, you know? Uh, the implication is strong. In asking why are you afraid, the implication is you shouldn't be, right? Why are you afraid? There's no need to be afraid. And then he says you of little faith. Now, it is important to note that he doesn't say no faith. Because Jesus does say that to some people sometimes. He refers to like this faithless generation, you know, things like that. Here he does not say that. But again, the implication is even though they do have faith, it's only a little. It's not as much as they should have. They should have greater faith. And so this kind of sets the scene for what we're going to talk about. But first, Pastor Chris, people, their boats may be being swamped. What's something they want to get off their plate? Absolutely. There's a lot of, lot of response here online, and welcome, everybody. The question was, what is something that you would get off your plate if you could? The number one answer, not even close, laundry. Ah, laundry. laundry. is the thing that they would give up. Number two, uh, a, a, a distant second, is, is cleaning. Cleaning, yeah. Somebody You're, said dusting, which, I mean, that's, that's really good. Yeah. I, I mean, I get to that that's about a once a year. That's a subset of yeah. cleaning, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, dusting. And then let's see what else. Um, pastor Paul chiming in oh. today, the retired founding pastor, Pastor Paul. He said he would give up shaving, which makes no sense to me because he's retired. Just let it go, Paul. Right. Have yeah. the beard, Paul. Yeah, have yeah. the beard. So right. those yeah, are yeah. our most common responses. Yeah, very good. I know my, my wife is here. She Either you didn't read it or she didn't text in. But oh, I, know, I know what her thing is. Well, she did. She hates making school lunches. Well, that's not what she day. said. Oh, that's not what she said. <laughs> she said, fill the rabbit tunnel that seems to go on forever ah. over our brick patio. <laughs> but Matt really wanted that rabbit. So yeah. I, I just yeah, left that that's, out. That's, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so... We all have stuff we want to get off our plates, and sometimes we feel like the boat is being swamped. That's what we're going to talk about today. How do we deal with it uh, when those kind of things happen? So we just said that the disciples uh, clearly failed in some way uh, to react the way they should, or at least to react the best that they could have. And uh, so how is it that they failed? Um, and we're not told exactly, other than that they shouldn't fear and they should have more faith. We're not really told exactly what it was about their decision uh, that made Jesus say that, but we can kind of take some good guesses. And my first thing is exactly what I said already, that they waited to the last minute. Jesus was in the boat with them the whole time. And so is the reason that they waited till the last minute that they weren't sure he could do something about it? So maybe they tried to handle things themselves first, and they thought, well, I don't know if he can really do anything. Let's just see what we can do. And then only when they were down to their final moment, only when they had no other choices left, did they then turn to Jesus and ask for him to help. Um, maybe it's something even greater than that, though. You know, I'm reminded of times in Scripture where Jesus talked about uh, what his disciples, what his followers would be able to do in his name. Jesus said things like, uh, whatever you ask for in my name, my Father will do it. Uh, Jesus, at one point, sends them out two by two 
and tells them to heal people in his name, says they can cast out demons in his name. Maybe Jesus is giving them a hard time about having little faith because they woke him up at all. Because he was thinking, if you truly understood who it is you have with you here, you could have just told the waves to be still in my name, and it would have happened. Maybe that's what Jesus was thinking. Maybe, though, it goes even deeper to the idea that it doesn't matter at all, storm or no storm. Jesus is with them, even to the point where, you know, and, and here I think back to like when uh, um, Isaac was willing to, or Jacob was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac because he knew and trusted in the promise that uh, God would make of Isaac a great nation. And so he knew no matter what happened, Isaac would be okay. Maybe that's what Jesus was saying. You should have known even if the boat sank that I have power over life and death, and you are with me, and therefore there was nothing to fear. I don't know which of those it is, if it's all of them or not, uh, but I do know we often find ourselves feeling kind of the same way as the disciples in this swamped over boat. Um, But I have a second question for you before I go on, Uh, and this one, it's almost more of a poll than a question, Uh, The question is this, it's how often do you pray? How often do you pray? And don't worry, Uh, this isn't a gotcha question. Be honest, right? If you pray once a month or twice a year, just say that. I want to know. I'm not going to call you out. It's anonymous. Uh, And the point of this sermon isn't to go back and point out how wrong everyone was that didn't pray a certain amount of times, right? So I just really want to know, how often do you pray? Uh, You can text your answer to 407-842-8884. So as I was saying, I think that we all have those moments, uh, and now we're kind of looking at this boat thing as a metaphor. We all have those moments in life where we feel like our boat is being swamped, where we feel like we've had so much stuff piled on top of us that we literally can't take anymore, or we're going to go under. And... uh, I can relate to that. I, so last week, uh, I told you guys about what I, I jokingly called my old man problem, which is sciatica. Like, I turned 50, and now I'm like this old man. I've got sciatica, you know? Uh, but I didn't tell you about something that happened um, during that time. So I, I'd been dealing with this, actually, for quite some time, and it's gotten progressively worse. And so finally, at one point, I, uh, I, I've not really gone to a chiropractor before, but uh, people had suggested it, and I thought maybe they could help me, and I just needed some help, right? Because it was quite painful. Uh, and so I made an appointment uh, at a chiropractor, and, and I went, and uh, it was in the morning, and so I didn't take a lot of pain meds because I kind of wanted to be able to tell how things really felt. So driving, sitting down, one of the most painful things for me. And so I drive there, I'm kind of white-knuckling it, you know, on the way because it hurts, So I get there, they start going through uh, their new patient-like thing with me, and and I'm just thinking the whole time, I'm like, man, I just hope they can do something. You know, I hope they can help me, right? I hope I can feel better. Uh, And so one of the things they did uh, as part of their, you know, new patient exam is they took my blood pressure. And my blood pressure was 
through the roof. Uh, I wrote it down. It was, it was actually, it was like 194 over 140-something. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, we might have to call you an ambulance. Uh, and so, and I was like, well, I'm in a lot of pain, which I was. Uh, and they said, no, that can cause it to go up, but not that much. So they said, just relax for a little bit. We'll take your blood pressure again a couple times later. And so they, you know, continued to do the exam. They took some x-rays. They took my blood pressure like four or five more times. It did go down to the point where they didn't think I was going to, you know, die right there on the spot. Uh, but it didn't go down enough. And so they were like, we're not going to adjust you today. Uh, you need to go to your primary care and get your blood pressure taken care of. Um, spoiler, I did, right? So now I'm on some medication for that, which is great. Um, <laughs> but here's the point of this kind of long rambling story. Is I leave there, and I get in my car, and I start driving to church. And again, this is a weird thing where when I'm up and walking around, it feels fine. When I sit down and stop moving, that's when it really hurts. So I'm in the car. I'm in pretty much excruciating pain. Um, I'm, I just got this horrible news, right, that my blood pressure is like super high. Uh, and worst of all, I had, had gone in there with all this hope that they could help me, and they did not help me. I mean, they didn't treat me at all. And I'll tell you, man, in that moment, you just felt so defeated. It was just crushing. Like, I felt like my boat was being swamped in that moment. And I'm not telling you this story. I know I tell a lot of stories about myself, but... I'm not telling you this story to be like, oh, poor me, or to get your sympathy or something like that. I'm telling you this story so that you know I understand. Because I think if you're not in a position like that right now, you probably have been. And some of you may be right now. And I know what it feels like because it's something that we all go through, uh, you know, from time to time in this life. We all have that moment when we feel like our boat is being swamped and there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, Pastor Chris, let's get back to something a little better, like prayer. Yeah. How often do people pray? Well, a lot of people are praying for your blood pressure right now, I'll tell you <laughs> yeah, that. That's great. I um, need it. Yeah. So uh, most people say that they have several different periods of prayer throughout the day, like okay. short periods of prayer. A lot of people are saying daily Kyle, of course, said he got uh, he prays every time he gets pulled over for speeding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so right. hopefully he prays more than that. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we were talking. We were in South Carolina, right? And you and I, we constantly pray all day for other people. But sometimes the mistake that you and I recognized on this retreat is that a lot of times we wait too long to pray for ourselves, you yeah. know? And, and we spend so much time praying for others that a lot of times we'll wait until the last minute to, to pray for something that we earnestly need, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That, that's totally true. Uh, you know, if I were to answer that question, I could truthfully answer multiple times a day, you know? But that's mostly because it's my job. Like, how, if you rephrase the question, how often do I pray for myself? Very rarely, to be quite honest. In fact, one of the things I wanted to share with you all was in that moment when I was, like, driving uh, away from the chiropractor, 
I, that definitely a moment I cried out to the Lord, right, in that moment. And then I called Johnson and asked him to pray for me. Uh, and, but here's something you would probably be surprised to know. That was actually and literally the first time I had prayed to God about my sciatica, about what I was going through. That was literally the first time. And I'd been dealing with it for like more than a month at that time. But I waited until that last minute uh, to do it. How often do we miss out on what God can and wants to do in our life because we wait until the last minute, like the disciples, to cry out to the Lord? And yeah, he's still there. He, he solves the problem for the disciples. He calms the storm. But if he's able to do that, why do we wait so long? Sometimes I think it's because we, uh, we, we think that we can just handle things ourselves. In fact, again, this isn't in the scripture we read, but I found myself thinking, you know, half these guys were fishermen. They're like pro-mariners, you know? They're like professional sailors. They're out on the water all the time. They probably had been through storms and squalls. They probably knew exactly what to do. It's part of the reason that they didn't reach out to Jesus sooner because they thought, we've got this. We can handle this storm. We've been through it. We know what to do. Batten this, shorten the sail, turn in the wind, you know, all that stuff. We can handle it. Because I think we do that. I know I do that a lot when I'm facing stuff in my life. I go, oh, I, I can handle this. I just need to be stronger, right? Just need to tough it out, right? Walk it off. <laughs> rub some dirt on it. You ever <laughs> get that one, right? Skin your knee. Just rub some dirt on it. That's the mentality that we grow up with. That's, that's how we feel. And we do that not just with uh, problems in our life, but we do it with spiritual matters too. And, you know, there's something else I kind of noticed about that attitude uh, is that in a weird sort of way, it's like we're expecting Jesus to come with us instead of us going with him. You know, uh, Pastor Chris talked about how we were up. We did like a retreat with the other pastors in the network, and uh, we were talking about this. And I was talking, sharing some of this, and, uh, and one, of my, uh, one of my friends, another pastor buddy, said, hey, if I said, like, hey, you want me to pray for your sciatica right now, what, what would your response be, you know? And I was like, well, I mean, if, I'd probably say yes, because who's going to turn down prayer? But part of my mind would think it's not going to make any difference. Because it seems like we pray, and sometimes God doesn't answer, right? Well, he answers, but sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is not yet, but later. Sometimes the answer is yes, and that's great when that happens. But I always have it in my head, like, there's this idea that, well, God's just going to do what he's going to do. It doesn't matter if I ask. He's going to heal my sciatica, or he's not going to heal my sciatica. What difference does it make? But that's really saying, like, hey, I know I've got Jesus in the boat with me, but instead of going to him, I'm just going to go my own way and expect that he's still going to be there. And I mean, and the gospel is that he is still going to be there. But he wants us to come to him. He's there so that he can minister to us. He's there so that, I mean, the whole point of his coming was so that he could save us. And I mean, he saves the disciples. They wait until the last minute. They do a bunch of stuff wrong. They only have a little faith. 
But when they cry out, what happens? Jesus calms the storm. Jesus has the power to calm the storm, both real storms and the kind of metaphorical ones that we deal with in our life. But he wants us to come to him. He invites us. And it's not like a command. It's not like, oh, you better. But it's like, I'm here for you. I'm inviting you to come to me. Come to me, right? I'm the bread of life. Come to me and I'll give you living water to drink. I'm here with you, right? Come to me and ask. And when we do that, we find something amazing. Even when the answer is maybe no or not yet, we still get a tremendous benefit out of that. We still get to commune with the God of the universe, with our Savior. We still are strengthened by what he does for us. Because a lot of times, when he says the answer is no, like, hey, take away my sciatica. No, it's going to be another month or two. He still says, but I am with you through that. I'm going to give you my strength and I'm going to give you forgiveness, and I'm going to give you love and mercy, and I'm going to give you my spirit, and you'll get through that time. Because that's what he does for us. He invites us to ask us, to ask him. He empowers us when we do. And he reminds us that no matter what we're going through, his grace, his mercy, his love is sufficient for us. So stop trying to bail yourself out. Stop trying to do it all by yourself. Don't wait until the last minute to cry out. Don't wait until the last minute to start relying on him. Realize that he is already and always with us and that, therefore, there's no storm that we need to fear. And in his name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.